In First John five, verse four. First John five four says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. How many are there in First John five four? Are you there? How many wait today? Here we go, right? We're ready. Are you ready? Alright, let's here we go. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. How many folk in here are born of God? And what does that make you? A world overcomer. Is that right? A world overcomer. Everybody say world overcomer. That's me. <laughs> Goes on to say, And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Praise God. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We are world overcomers. We're born of God. How is it, though, that we overcome? He said, this is the victory, even our faith. The way that you overcome is by means of your faith. Back over in Mark, the fifth chapter, Mark chapter 5 is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. You remember the story how that the woman suffered many things of many physicians, had this issue of blood for 12 years, spent all that she had, was nothing better but rather grew worse. But thank God when she heard of Jesus, as the starting point of her miracle, she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And the Bible said, of course, that when she touched him, Jesus stopped. Immediately he knew in himself that power had gone out of him. And he turned about and said, who touched me? And they all denied, Luke said. The disciples said, Lord, the multitude throngs you. And say, why do you say, who touched me? Jesus said, somebody touched me. And finally the woman saw she was not hid. She came and fell down before him and told him all the truth and what she did. In verse 34... He said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Jesus said to the woman, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Everybody said out loud, Your faith will make you whole. Say it like this, My faith will make me whole. Now let's say that out loud together at least three times. My faith will make me whole. Again, my faith will make me whole. One more time. My faith will make me whole. Is that true? Can you be whole? What is the key to your victory? Your faith will make you whole. Now, as we said, there are two main questions here that we've been dealing with and answering in talking about this subject. Number one question that we asked is, can God and does God heal? And we said, yes. If we, we said, if you don't believe that, then you just don't believe the Bible. Because we see instance after instance of people being healed in the Bible. 
If you don't believe God can heal and does heal, then you just don't believe the Bible, and that's a, a big problem if you don't believe the Bible. But if you believe the Bible, you have to agree that God can heal people and God does heal people. If you believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth and all things that are in, therein, then it shouldn't be hard for you to believe that God could heal something that he created. God is the creator. He made man. He can heal man and he has and does heal. But the second question that we asked is, okay, we believe that God heals. But why is it that some people are healed and some are not? What is the determining factor? If God does heal and God can heal, why are some healed and some are not? And we said that the conclusion that much of the church world has come to is that it is based on the will of God. That God wills to heal some, and some he does not. And that is the general consensus of much of the present church world. How many know that's true? That's many people, that's what they believe. And this is the way they ascertain it. If somebody was healed, that proves it was God's will for them to be healed. If somebody was not healed, that shows that it was not God's will for them to be healed. But they are basing and ascertaining the will of God on what happens in life and on experiences not on the Word of God. And I said to you that you could take the same reasoning and principle and carry, over, carry it over into salvation and say, well, if somebody dies lost, then that proves that it wasn't God's will for them to be saved. And if somebody dies being saved, that proved it was God's will for them to be saved. But does that prove that? The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish. People do die without Him, but is that His will? Did that please him? Well, what is the determining factor in salvation? Why are some people saved and some people not saved? What's the determining factor? Some people believe and some don't. Isn't that right? Some people receive Jesus as their Savior and some don't. How many know that that's widely accepted in all evangelical Christian circles? That's what determines why some people get saved and some people don't. And exactly the same thing is true when it comes to healing. Jesus didn't say when this woman was healed. He didn't look at her. I mean, he could have said a lot of things. He could have said, daughter, God's power has made you whole. But that's not what he chose to emphasize. He could have said, daughter, it was just God's will to heal you. He didn't say that. He didn't put the emphasis on the will of God. He didn't put the emphasis on the power of God. He didn't say, daughter, your touch... When you touch me, that's what made you whole. Though that was involved, he didn't put the emphasis there. That would have been wrong because a lot of people touched him and wasn't healed. That wasn't the, the determining factor. He didn't say, daughter, the power and anointing that's on me uh, made you whole. Even though it was the power that did the work, that's not where he placed the emphasis because the power was on him when all the other people touched him. Why didn't they get healed? He didn't say, daughter, my faith has made you whole. Daughter, the disciples' faith has made you whole. He didn't say any of that. Where did Jesus put the emphasis? Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Friend, I submit to you that the individual's faith is the determining factor. It's not a, the, the power of God is not the determining factor. The will of God is not the determining factor. That's already established and settled. The power of God is able to change any situation. The will of God is to heal all. Those things are settled. The determining factor is the faith 
of the individual. We mentioned to you yesterday that there are ten accounts of individuals being healed in the Gospels where the, the individual's faith is specifically referred to. Ten accounts. Now, I didn't say those were the only accounts where faith was involved because there were other accounts where faith was involved. I said there are ten where faith is specifically mentioned. I'll, I'll review them just real quickly for you. The Bible said the nobleman believed and went his way. The Bible said that concerning the centurion servant, uh, the Lord said, said concerning him, I have not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. Concerning Jairus, uh, you know, the Lord told him, just believe only and your daughter will live and be healed. The woman with the issue of blood we've already talked about. The Bible said Jesus told her, your faith has made you whole. The two blind men, Jesus told them, according to your faith, be it unto you. The Syrophoenician woman, concerning the deliverance and healing of her daughter, Jesus told her, O woman, great is thy faith. The demoniac boy, his father came and said, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And the man said, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. The ten lepers, Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priest. When one returned, Jesus told him, Your faith has made you whole. Concerning blind Bartimaeus, you know, he stood by the roadside and cried and begged. And Jesus said, what do you want? He said, I want to receive my sight. He said, receive. And then Jesus told him, go your way. Your faith has saved you. Your faith, your faith, your faith. Concerning the, the, the men that, were let, that let the paralyzed man down through the roof, the Bible said Jesus saw their faith. Did you notice in every one of those cases, believing or faith was specifically referred to? Faith, faith, believing, believing. Now, the reason I go over that again and again and into so much detail is because so much of humanity today in the church world, they are not putting the emphasis on the individual's faith. They're putting the emphasis on the will of God. Do you see that and know that? They're putting the emphasis on, well, if the power was here, or if it was God's will, or if it was this, or if it was that. But the emphasis that the Bible, that Jesus and the Bible placed, is on the individual's faith. Say it again, your faith will make you whole. And then say, my faith will make me whole. What's the determining factor? My faith. Now, when you say that, sometimes people, you know, they don't like the sound of that because they think, oh, man, that means i got to do something. That, it's, it's, yeah, you do have to do something, but it's not something that's hard. It's not something that only a few very spiritual people could ever attain to. Anybody can have faith. Amen. It's more a decision than it is some special ability that you have to cultivate. Did you hear me? It's more a decision of whether you're going to accept what God said or not, you see. It's, it's, it's not something that you have to have studied for years before you can have faith to be healed or have to have some special experiences or rise to some uh, place that only elite few can, can come to. Any believer could have faith to be healed. Any believer could have faith to be healed. Everybody say, my faith. Will make, me whole. will make me whole. And I can have faith, can have faith. As, well as, as well as anyone. See, God gave you the ability to have faith. He created you with that ability. Praise God forever. How many read Hebrews 11 last night? Did you read that? Good. I asked those of you that, that were coming specifically to receive healing for yourself to read that seven times. And if those folk can have faith, you can have faith. Isn't that right? Those people had faith. Whole chapter full of people that had faith. Seventeen names mentioned of people that had faith. 
And, he, and Paul said, the time would fail me to tell about all of them. I'll just mention a few of them. <laughs> Did you know the Bible is full of faith stories? I didn't say fairy tales. They really happened. But they're stories of people that were in faith. Faith stories. Amen? I tell you, you know, uh, you, you feel sorry for some, uh, some people that don't emphasize. Some people, some charismatics in their effort to change and get away from tradition have thrown away some good things too. Like teaching children Bible stories. You know, Sunday school where you hear about David and Goliath and Noah. You understand? Man, these are things that will help plant seeds of faith in you from the time that you're very, very small. You need to hear these stories. Daniel in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Amen? You, you need to hear these stories because they're, they're exploits of faith. They're not just little stories of Jewish history. They're exploits of faith. And seeds of faith get in little spirits and they stay in there and grow in them year after year. Until they become adults of faith. Ready to, to live by faith and walk by faith. Which is the only way it's possible to please God. So we, we've talked about that and, and went into some detail about the fact that your faith will make you whole. Now we mentioned on Monday that there are three things that you will see particularly involved in faith. Does anybody remember what they are? Hearing. Believing. And doing. Now we looked at we looked here in, in Mark 5, we looked in Romans 10, we looked in Acts 14, and we saw those three elements. Uh, one, you can see a clear, clear breakdown of the principles in uh, Romans 10, where he says, uh, how will they call on him and whom they have not believed? Well, they can't. How will they believe on him and whom they have not heard? They can't. How will they hear without a preacher? They can't. See, what comes first? Hearing. And then as a result of hearing, what can you do? Believe. And then once you believe, you are to do something. In this case, the doing is calling. And we said to you that the number one action of faith is saying, confessing, which in this case, calling on the Lord, confessing Jesus as Lord. Saying is the number one action used to release your faith. Now yesterday, we went over to Hebrews 11. I want you to go over there with me again. And we spent uh, most of the session, or a good half of the session anyway, on this first verse of Hebrews 11, defining faith, talking about what faith is. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we looked up, uh, at least I looked up and shared it with you, uh, the words substance and hoped uh, and some of these things. And we said to you that you could say this phrase like this. You could say, now faith is the confidence of things expected. The conviction or proof of things not seen. Because if you look up those words, that, that's what they mean. And it's doing no harm to the text because these same Greek words that are found here are translated these words in other places in the same New Testament. You could say it like this, now faith is the confidence of things expected. Or you could say it like this, faith is being confident of what you expect. And faith is being convicted of things you don't see. 
We said to you that faith, uh, th- this brings out two specific areas here in this, in this verse. Uh, that is that faith, excuse me, faith deals with things not yet and faith deals with things not seen. Faith deals with things not yet. And when I say not yet, I mean not yet in this natural, uh, seeable, touchable realm. And, and of course it goes on to say things not seen. Now I want us to go on today and just go down through a part of this chapter and sing. There's a couple of verses I want to emphasize to you. Let's go on reading. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it the elders obtained a good report. In other words, they were commended and approved by their faith. And they, they, there was a good record left of them. You know, uh, there, there is a record being made of your life. Did you know that? And uh, whether it's a good record or a bad record it, or, or not much of anything record is going to be determined by what? Your faith. That's right. Now, I heard somebody say, you works, and you works are going to be a factor, but the only works that are going to be recognized are the works of faith. And you know, that that's going to be interesting to see, because uh, just because you do a lot of works doesn't mean all of them have any substance to it. The only ones that count are the ones that you did in faith. And the Bible said that in that day, every man's works will be tried by fire. And that which is substantial will remain and abide the fire. That which is not will be consumed. What are the works that are going to abide and make it through the, the fire? Those things that are done by in faith. Those things that are done in the Spirit, by the leading of the Spirit, in faith. Those are the things that are going to abide and remain. Things that were just man's plans, even though there might have been a lot of work in it and a lot of money spent and a lot of things done, those things that are just done in the flesh and just by man's ego and plan, they will all be consumed. So, uh, you know, how did the elders, after they passed off the scene, uh, they were remembered with a good report. Why? Because of their faith. By it, the elders obtained a good report. By it what? Faith. Verse 3, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Two things you can learn from that verse. Uh, one thing is that faith is a creative power. God's a God of faith. And through faith-filled words, he created the heavens and earth and all things that are. And you know, faith is, is to be a creative force in your life. You can frame your world with faith-filled words. I said you can frame your world with faith-filled words. Preachers, that'll preach. Make your sermon with that. And uh, also, the Bible says, through faith we understand. Faith is a key to getting understanding and revelation. If you want to understand some things, faith is a vital key. You don't get understanding of spiritual things just because of extreme effort or superior intellect. The thing that opens up your spirit to getting revelation is faith. Faith is a big key to getting revelation. Verse 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Faith, how many know faith is a giver? And faith gives its best. 
and you give in proportion to your faith. Why do some people give so meagerly and so little? Little faith. <laughs> oh, I got quiet then. <laughs> you give in proportion to your faith. You just absolutely do. Why is it that sometimes you're halting between two bills? <laughs> some of you got that, some of you didn't. You're looking in your pocketbook and you're halting between the, the, the five or the twenty. Hesitating. <laughs> and you finally decide, five, go with the five. I didn't say every time, but a lot of times the reason is lack of faith. Now that, you know, you don't get as much shouting on this as you do some other things, but uh, it's something you need to think about. The Bible said, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Faith gives its best. Amen. And by faith, Abel outgave Cain. Boy, it's quiet in here. Amen. By faith, Abel outgave Cain. Amen. Outgave him in several different ways, but I mean, that's what it boiled down to. Abel's sacrifice was acceptable. Cain's was not. And a lot of times people, people have emphasized and said, well, yeah, but it was because Cain gave the vegetables and Abel gave a blood sacrifice. Well, I wouldn't say that that wasn't a factor, but the main thing the Bible emphasizes is the faith. Did you hear me? A lot of times people get hung up on the, the type of gift and miss the main issue here. The thing that made Abel's gift, the main thing that made Abel's gift acceptable to God was the faith. And the main reason why uh, Cain's sacrifice was not acceptable it was obviously not a faith. How many of you can give out of all kinds of motivations besides faith? You can give just because you think it's expected of you. You can just give... You know, out of a sense of guilt. You can give out of all kinds of things. And you know, you know, if you don't give in faith, you won't be blessed. Though you put money in the plate, though you put money in offerings and whatever, you won't be blessed unless you give in faith. Somebody say, well, how can you tell whether you're giving in faith or not? I tell you, one word, one word, joy. Are you listening? The Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. If when you give it makes you sad, you did not give in faith. <laughs> now don't worry, I'm not going to take up an offering, don't you know. People get to looking sober. We're not going to pass the plate. We're just saying this, you know, reading the Bible here. Verse 5, we'll move, move right along. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. And so we see that faith involves walking with God and fellowshipping with God. Verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please him. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We talked about that. Seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God uh, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Here you see that faith prepares for the fulfillment of God's word. Faith gets ready. God told Noah that the flood was coming. 
Noah believed that, so he what? Prepared and got ready. Isn't that right? If God tells you something and you believe it and you have faith in it, what will you do? You get ready. How many of you getting ready for something? Are you getting ready for anything? Are, are you in faith about anything? Well, then that means you will, or you are getting ready for something. Isn't that right? You know, a little side thought along this line. I, my wife and I have taught different groups and singles groups and what have you sometimes. A lot of times talking with singles, uh, they say, well, you know, we're believing God for a spouse and, and this and that, and that's good and that's right, and you ought too. But I have had people to come to me and, and just upset and say, well, I just don't understand. You know, I'm believing God. and it doesn't seem like anything's happening and, and this and that. And I said to him, well, you, you've asked God about this. Yes, you prayed about it. Yes. And, and you believe that God's heard your prayer and you're expecting. Yes. Are you getting ready? And many, many times the answer is no. A lot of times people are believe, they're believing for Mr. Perfect or Miss Wonderful. Did you hear me? Oh, they're, they're, they're supposed to be, you know, so spiritual and so refined and such a gentleman or lady and, and they're physically fit and attractive and, and everything, you know. And I said, well, have you ever asked the question, what are they getting in you? <laughs> if you're believing God for somebody wonderful, then you ought to be getting ready. Are you listening? You ought to be getting ready. Get yourself in shape spiritually. Mentally, emotionally, financially, and yes, physically. Amen. See, a lot of times people, uh, it's, remember what faith? Faith consists of hearing, believing, and doing. doing. See, that, like when you get to the doing part, you eliminate a bunch of folk. A lot of folk want to say, well, I'm believing, I prayed a prayer. Yeah, but are you, are you following it up? Are you doing anything? The Bible says if you're just a hearer and not a doer, you deceive your own self. Got a lot of talkers about the word and shouters about the word, and, but not near as many doers. Amen. Doers. Amen. Doers are the ones that get the results. What good would have done Noah if God told him, Noah, there's coming the flood? Noah said, Lord, I believe you. And he just sat around and did nothing. Oh, I have faith. I believe. I believe. I believe there's a flood coming. Well, but if you really believe it, you'll be building a boat. Is that right? If you really believe it's coming, you're going to be getting ready. You're going to be doing something. That's why James said faith without action or works is dead. No, it didn't just stand around and say, I believe a flood's coming. You can't believe that without wanting a boat. Is that right? If you really believe a flood's coming, then I'm going to need a boat. And there happens not to be a big boat around, so we better get to building one. So he did. Worked on the boat for years and years. Just kept knowing, hey, God said it's coming. Didn't come this year, but it, it must be coming. How many have faith that Jesus is coming again? Well, we should be what? Getting ready. Isn't that right? Because he's coming. He didn't come last year and he didn't come the last ten years, but he is coming. Is that right? He said he's coming. He's coming. And we've got to be closer than we've ever been. Got to be. So we should be getting ready. Just live ready. Help other people to get ready. Amen? Faith gets ready. 
He goes on in verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance, he obeyed and went out, not knowing where he went. Here's a couple of things, or one main thing actually. Faith obeys. You can tell whether people have faith or not by obeying. Now see, all this has to do with doing. Do you see how big of a part doing is in faith? Again and again, all these people did something, didn't they? And their action revealed their faith. You know, Abel gave a gift. Enoch walked with God. Noah built a boat. Abraham left his home country. They did so. They didn't just say, I believe. They heard, they believed, and they, they did. That's why James is so emphatic about faith without works is dead. Faith is, is expressed through works. You know, uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth was called an apostle of faith. Greatly emphasized faith. God used him and did great faith exploits. And they said there were times when sometimes he'd pace back and forth across the platform and just say for several minutes at a time, faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. I mean, just say it minute after minute. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. And see, he had a revelation of that. That faith is not just hearing. Faith is hearing and believing and doing. Now remember again, what is the number one action of faith? Saying. But that's not the only action, is it? Not the only action by far. Building a boat was an action of faith. And when we say that, that obedience reveals faith, also you see how that Abram obeyed without the full picture. And you're going to have to. Because you, you're not going to have the whole picture in this life. Are you? You, you, you know, you, God's going to keep you walking by faith. It pleases Him. You'd like for God to sit down with you with your calendar and tell you on end of the year 2000 what you're going to be doing and mark down every day and set up your schedule. He's not going to do it. Not now, not ever. Once in a while, He'll give you a glimpse of the future, but it'll be just a glimpse. A word of wisdom will come sometimes, but that's all it'll be is a word. Not a sentence, not a paragraph, not a page. Just a word, a fragmentary part of the whole thing, just a glimpse, enough to help get you focused and, and stir up your faith. But you have to walk by faith. And that pleases Him. That really honors God. When God says, go. And you don't ask a thousand questions. You just go. Why are you going? I don't know. But God said, go. <laughs> now see, the world thinks that's crazy. They can't fathom that. But that's the way you and I have to live Amen. and walk constantly. Amen. That's what the faith walk is all about. Well, why are you doing that? Why are you going there? I remember when I moved out here to school. Dear Lord, the questions I got. Why are you going out there? What is out there? Where is Broken Arrow anyway? <laughs> Who is this Kenneth Hegan? And what is Rima? <laughs> well, I didn't know the answers to most of those questions myself. If I did, it was just very, very fragmentary. I did know this. God dealt with me to go. Boy, I'm glad I did. I said, I'm glad I did. Glory to God, I'm glad I did. Amen. But all through your life, God leads you and guides you and gives you direction and gives you the next step of the plan. And so many times, like Abraham, you just have to go out not knowing exactly where you're going to wind up, but just obeying, taking it a step at a time. 
not going to see the whole picture. But God will show you enough to take another step, and enough to do something today. And if you just keep taking steps, you'll wind up at your destination. Amen. Which is in the presence of Jesus. You'll wind up finishing your course and running a good race and going home to be with him or meeting him when he comes. Praise God. That's exciting. But the only way you get there is by faith. Goes on to say, By faith he sojourned in a land of promise as in the strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. He looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, and I'm looking for that same city. What about you? Looking for that city. Are you? I'm looking for it. I've heard about it. I've read about it. Praise God. That it might, you know, that somewhere around 1,500 miles tall. That the walls are built out of jewels. The streets are pure gold. The gates are pearl. I'm looking for it. I said, I'm looking for it. Anything you've ever seen on earth pales by comparison. My, my, my. I've got a place in that city. Amen. Glory. They were looking for it way back then. We're still looking for it. And we're all going to come to it. Amen. Amen. It's going to be fulfilled. Thank God. It's not a fairy tale. Verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Amen. Amen. Now here you see that, that Sarah, because of her faith, received strength and was delivered of a child. Now, if Sarah could receive strength through faith, why couldn't you receive strength through faith? And me receive strength through faith. You can. Now see, it wasn't so much that she was sick, she was just older and wasn't able to conceive and carry a child in that condition, but by faith she received strength and her body was renewed so that she conceived and bore Isaac. Well, it wouldn't make any difference what it was that weakened you. You still need strength. If it was a sickness that weakened you or a disease that weakened you, if she could receive strength through faith, you can receive strength through faith. The woman with the issue of blood did. She received strength and healing through her faith. We know from many different points of Scripture that we can receive strength through our faith. Amen. That's what we're talking about. All sickness basically weakens you. Makes you weak, you see. Saps your strength. And what you need is more strength and renewed strength. Strength to overcome the thing. And how do you receive that strength? You don't just wait and see if God decides to drop it on you or not. His will's already been established. His power is available and able. What is the determining factor? The individual's faith. If I need strength, I need to receive strength with my faith. Now, going down to verse 13, and notice this, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises. Now, the promise he's talking about here is the promise of that city and, and those things, you see. But it goes on to say, But they had seen them afar off. And here's what I want you to notice. And they were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now here's three more things that faith is, and I think you'll see it's the same three we've been talking about. Number one, persuaded of them. 
Number two, embraced them. And number three, confessed them. Persuaded, embraced, confessed. Now see, we're, we've, we've established our trust that your faith will make you whole. But what we're continuing to talk about now is exactly what is faith and exactly how do you operate in faith. We said to you previously that faith consists of three things. You know, three things involved in faith. Hearing, believing, and doing. And here he says uh, persuaded, embraced, and confessed. Which is really the same principles involved here. How do you get persuaded? By hearing. You hear. How does faith come? By hearing. What is faith? Faith is being uh, convinced or persuaded of something. When you say, I believe something, that's the same thing as saying, I'm convinced of it, I'm persuaded of it. Amen. I've accepted it, you see. I'm convinced. If somebody says, I don't believe it, what are they saying? I'm not convinced. I'm not persuaded. I don't believe it. You see. But uh, he said here that these individuals that are all here listed in, in this chapter of faith, that they were persuaded. Now let's talk about that word persuaded just a little bit more. Persuaded. This word persuaded is, is a faith word. We noticed over there in Romans, you can just back up and look at it again. Romans, the fourth chapter, let's remind ourselves. We went into some detail talking about Abraham. How he's the father of faith. Remember that? Anybody remember that? Abraham, father of faith. And in the fourth chapter, it said, verse uh, 16, it said, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, the first thing that we started with in the story of Abraham is a promise. There is no possibility of faith unless God first says something. Because the faith is based on what God said. Now, that's very, very simple, but did you know many charismatics have gotten away from that? I've had people say say to me before, you know, I'm just going to believe that this or that happens. And I said, well, what are you basing that on? Well, I'm just going to believe it. Well, it's not a matter of just believing something. What are you basing it on? I'm believing this is going to happen. Did God tell you that that was going to happen? If he didn't, you can't believe that he would do it. Did you hear me? You can wish that he would. You can't believe that he will. Faith is based on the solid rock foundation of thus saith the Lord. 
Amen. It is not possible to have faith unless you first hear from God. You know, sometimes that, that, that's where people have gotten off. If folk would, folk would just, just come back to that one premise that we're talking about right now, it'd clear up so many problems. Just eliminate so much error and excess. If you say, I believe this or that, what is it based on? Based on what? And it can't just be a fragment here or there or an isolated, twisted text. It's got to be the result of the whole counsel of God on the subject. What did God tell you that he has done and would do about that situation? That and that alone is what you can believe. Amen. It's what you can believe. You can have faith based on what he said. Before, the, before Abraham had any faith, there had to be God giving him the promise. If you read that whole chapter, you'll see the word promise occurs several times. All the way, promise, promise, promise. It keeps coming back to the promise. Because without the promise, there'd be no faith, there'd be no anything. God gives the promise. Then Abraham believes the promise and becomes fully persuaded of the promise and expects the promise to come to pass. And God says that's faith and it's imputed to Abraham for righteousness. Amen. There's nothing, you know, super intricate or complicated about faith. It's real simple. God says something, and you believe it. Amen. Amen. God says he's going to do something, and you expect it to happen. It is really no more difficult than that. God says believers lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So you get hands laid on you and expect to recover. It's just that simple. God said he'd supply all your needs, and so you believe that, that word, and you expect your needs to be met. Now, sometimes that's easier said than done because there'll be challenges. You'll see things, hear things, feel things that'll try to tell you that it's not so and it's not happening and it's not going to happen. But faith just keeps standing up and saying, I don't care what I see, I don't care what I feel. God said it. It's going to be that way. Amen. Amen. I trust him. He told me and that's the way it's going to be. And that honors God. That honors him. When he sees you, and everything around about you looks like it's not going to happen, not going to come to pass. And you stand up and say, I don't care what I see and feel. I believe God. He told me this and it's going to happen. Amen. Amen. That's faith. Amen. That's faith. God has heard my prayer. He's granted my request and it's got to come to pass. Amen. But it's based on a solid foundation of what he said. The first step in faith is what? Hearing, hearing, and not just hearing anything, hearing what God says. If you're going to have faith in God, faith in God is not based on what man said. Faith in God is based on what God said. That's an important point. I said faith in, faith in God is not based on what man said. Faith in God is based on what God said. Faith in me is based on what I said, you know. Not what Benny says about me. You understand? Benny might say, well, Brother Keith will do this for you. Well, I might, I might not. <laughs> he might be wrong, he might be right. But if I tell you I'll do it, that's something else. And so sometimes people, instead of getting second-hand information, you know, instead of, well, some, some, somebody told me that the Lord would do this for me. Yeah, what'd he say, though? What'd the Lord say? 
<laughs> and you know, some people have, you know, they've, they say, well, so-and-so prophesied to me that the Lord was going to do this. Well, was that the Lord talking or them? You see? If the Lord said it, you can count on it. But if somebody, some man or woman just said it and said that he's going to do it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Faith in God is based on what God said. What God said. God gave Abram a promise. And then he told him that, he said, he said you know, I'm going to make your seed uh, like the stars for multitude and sand on the seashore for multitude. In you all the nations will be blessed, etc., etc. And then he said it like this. He said, I have made you the father of many nations. I mean, it's already, when God says it, as far as he's concerned, it's done. Even though it hasn't happened in the natural, as far as he's concerned, it's done. And that's why the Bible said that God calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, it hadn't happened in the natural yet, but when God gives the decree, it's as good as done in the natural. Do you understand? See, you need to come back to realize that God is the supreme ruler. Amen? Let's just take a king. Well, I mean, let's get down to something that we all know about. You know, the crisis in the Gulf. The president has the authority right now. And if he says attack, then, you know, even though not a shot is fired, it's as good as done. Isn't that right? When it's done in the office at the White House, it's as good as done on the battlefield. Is that right? And when the Lord says something, even though he says it in the spirit, you may not see it in the natural yet, it's as good as done. You count on it, it's going to happen. Is that right? Now, God has said some interesting things like, by His stripes you were healed. (laughs) Were healed. (laughs) He's given the Word. Amen. Now, if you'll accept that and believe that, it'll come to pass in the natural. And the thing is, when God told Abram, Abram, I have made you the father of many nations. The Bible said Abram didn't consider his own body. He was too old to father a child. Sarah was too old to conceive a child. It was He had no reason to expect that to come to pass. The Bible said, against hope, he believed in hope. He had no reason to hope and expect, but he did anyway. And the Bible said he, he was strong in faith. He gave glory to God and was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. He said, God said it. God can do it. And I expect it. And they had Isaac. Amen. Persuaded. Persuaded. You know, that's one of the biggest areas that you got to work on to help people is to persuade them of the truth. If you can get folk persuaded of the truth, boy, you're going, you're moving now. You're on your way now. If you can get folk persuaded of the truth, that's where your conflict comes in. That's where the struggle comes in. A lot of times people want to argue about it. Don't believe it. They've been taught something else. They've heard something else. And so getting people persuaded of the truth. That's why we have healing school here every day. That's why we do so much teaching and talk so much about Why? In an effort to persuade hearts to believe that it's God's will for you to be healed right now. And that you can receive. And, and, and God's power is more than enough. But it's not just a matter of you hear something with your head. Your heart has got to be persuaded of it. And there are different degrees of persuasion. Abraham was what? Fully persuaded. What do you need to be? Fully persuaded. 
Amen. And see, you, even though we're talking about healing, this is true in every area. So you, you need to be fully persuaded that God meets your needs. Amen. Amen. You gotta be fully persuaded that He's your healer. You gotta be fully persuaded in every area of life, finding out what He said, and then being fully persuaded of it. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what He had promised, He was able also to perform. Now coming on down to this next point in, in, in Hebrews 13, 11, 13, if you still have your place there. Hebrews 11, 13. It says they were persuaded, number one. And number two, what did it say? They embraced them. Now this, this word embrace is an interesting word. I'd looked it up a long time ago, but I, I, guess, I guess I had forgotten it. Because I looked it up again and it was brand new to me. That's why the Bible says, you know, uh, take heed lest the things that you, you know that you've heard you let slip. Uh, this word embrace here, it literally means to enfold in the arms. And it's frequently translated salute in the New Testament. Or it means to welcome and greet. Now the picture is simple. You know, how many ever read in the New Testament where it's, it talked about so and so saluting some so and so? I don't know what you thought about that, but you might have thought that they met each other and went, you know, salute. You know, but that's not what it means. They're not all in the military. This word salute, the word translated salute, is the same word translated embrace. And what it means is to greet somebody with a hug. Greet somebody and take them in your arms. And enfold, uh, you know, you fold your arms around them and throw them to yourself and greet them. Well, hi there. Hello. And grab them and give them a big hug. And you, that, that's the New Testament, King James, you just saluted them. <laughs> You know, the Lord, among other things, the Lord told his disciples when he sent them out to ministry, he said, don't salute people, by the way. <laughs> what did he mean? He meant, I've sent you on business. Don't get caught up and chit-chatting with everybody and hugging and talking and carrying on with everybody. You, mean, you go tend to your business. Just go and say, well, you meet people, just say hi and just keep walking and go to the town and do what I told you to do. And you know, the Bible talks about several of those things. The Bible tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss. you got to be careful with that one. Some folk will abuse that. <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, uh, so somebody asked me, you know, well, don't you believe in doing that? Oh, yeah. But I also believe that a lot of folk are too carnal to do it right. <laughs> Did you hear me? And besides that, it didn't say, he didn't specify whether he was talking about men kissing women and vice versa, or whether he was talking about women kissing women and men kissing men. You have to also realize that, particularly in those days in the church, the women and the men are pretty much divided. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to start a new doctrine, but I say he didn't say. He didn't specify. But you, you do need to be careful about some of those things. If it's done right, it'd be perfect and fine. But if it's done wrong, it wouldn't be good. 
But uh, anyway, he said embraced. Embraced. Now he's not talking about literally hugging somebody in this verse, is he? But what's he talking about? He's talking about hugging something. Enfolding it in your arms. Taking it to yourself. The English word uh, embrace, which means similar thing to, to, to the Greek word. Uh, the English word means to make, one of the definitions of the English word embrace means to possess and to make one's own. To possess and to make one's own. Have you ever seen little children? And one of them, somebody maybe looked like they was going to get their toy and they went and got it and took it in their arms and said, that's mine. <laughs> they embraced that toy. Isn't that right? Or that teddy bear or whatever it was. They, they unfolded their arms around it and they pulled it to their chest and said, that's mine. Isn't that right? Well, that's the picture you need to have about this. See, we're talking about faith. Aren't we? What does faith do? Faith hears something that God has said. And faith is persuaded that that is true. And in faith reaches out its arms and enfolds it and says, that's mine, and takes it to itself. That's mine. Amen. You've got to embrace what God has told you is yours. It's not, a, it's not something you do physically, but it's just as real as what you do physically. And it's the same principles involved. You know, it's not enough just to believe that God can heal. And that God is the healer. And that God has provided healing for us. It's not enough just to believe that, you know, that because of Jesus' stripes, all people are healed. And that Jesus took everybody's infirmities and bore their sicknesses. It's not enough just to believe that. You have to not only believe that, you have to make it yours. You have to, you have to receive that for yourself. Amen. Amen. See, sometimes folk believe in, in too, believing things too general and too vague. Well, I believe in God. I believe in healing. Yeah, but you gotta claim it for yourself. You, you got to enfold your arms around it and say it's mine. Did you know that there are people, no doubt people in this city right here today, that believe in God and they're not saved. And they also believe in Jesus Christ. They believe that He was born of a virgin. They believe He lived and walked on the earth. They believe He died. They also believe He rose from the dead. And they're not saved. They're lost. Why? They have not embraced Him as their Savior. They have not received Him and taken salvation to their self and received Him as their Savior and confessed Him as their Savior. So you have to, not only does God give and provide, you have to possess. You have to, to, to embrace and make your own what God has provided. Amen. You have to claim it and possess it. Lay hold of it with your heart. Can you say amen? amen? We're talking about embracing. That's what the Bible means when it says in Mark eleven twenty four, what things ever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. 
What does it mean? What does that mean? Believe that you receive them. It means embrace them. Possess them. Lay hold of it with your heart. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Well, I tell you, I need, a, I need a volunteer. I need a helper. I'm going to do something here. Illustrate something in just a few moments. How about you, ma'am? You'd be fine. Bring your Bible with you. Stand up here and face the group on the, on the platform right here. Let's say that this, that this lady needs healing. And let's say that I'm, I'm the Lord, representing the Lord, and this represents her healing. Many people, the, you know, are in the situation of, of wanting healing, and the Lord is holding out healing. Jesus bought it, paid for it, and the Lord has offered it to all humanity in the total package of salvation offered to all humanity. And he says, whosoever will, let him come. Let him take. Amen. Take of the water of life freely. And, and many times people are, are, let's swap places now. You be the Lord. You hold it out to me. I'm the one needing healing now. Many people are, are saying, oh God, I need to be healed. <laughs> oh Lord, heal me. Oh God. I need to be healed. And some folk even go to far, so far to say, is, I believe in you, Lord. I believe you're real. I believe, I believe you're the healer. I believe it. Nobody believes it stronger than me. I believe that healing is for everybody. I believe Jesus provided healing for all of us. I believe it. I believe it. Why am I not healed? I can't understand why I'm not healed. Y'all pray for me. We'll, we'll fast and, and we'll pray. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, heal me. Please heal me. Please heal me. How many of the folk you know? We laugh and it's humorous, but in another way it's not humorous. It's not funny at all because people are crying and begging and have been for a long time. Can you tell me what the problem is, would be in this situation? What do you have to do? It's not enough just to say, I believe in God. It's not enough just to say, I believe in healing. What do you have to do? You have to be persuaded of it, all right? But next step is what? You've got to embrace it. You've got to possess it. Isn't that right? Sooner or later, I've got to say, Lord, I believe that, that you are my healer. I believe you provided healing for me. I believe it's mine. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I believe that I receive. And you've got to embrace it. Isn't that right? Now see, just like you have arms physically, faith are the arms that take spiritually. Faith is the hand that reaches out and the arms that clasp and lay hold Faith takes and receives from God what God has already provided. It's not a matter now. Hold it out again. It's not a matter of me trying to wrestle and get it away from God. And He's playing with me. You know? How I many know that's not, that's, not, that's not the way it is? At all. Oh, come on, God. Give it to me. I want it. Come on. Come on, God. Come on. How I many know it's not that way? The Bible said the Lord God is a sun and shield. No good thing will He withhold from them that walk upright. 
God is not a withholder. He is not holding back on us. He's offering. Amen. Saying, come, take, receive. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Now, we'll, we'll, tar- we'll trade places again. Back up just a little bit. We'll trade places again. You reach out and lay hold. Now, but before I do this, uh, let me let me show you again uh, some something that, that that happens with people sometimes. You know, there's different degrees of faith. The Bible talks about no faith, weak faith, great faith, strong faith. So so you understand that your faith can be weak or strong, and different degrees in between there. And many people's faith is weak because they haven't fed their faith and they haven't developed their faith. And even though they see healing belongs to them, oftentimes, see, just like a, if you if you were weak physically, you know, you might could reach out and put your hand on it, but you're so feeble it's hard to, you know, to, to take it because their faith is so weak. And they know, I know it's mine. I know it belongs to me. Ah. And then they have to rest. Just can't seem to lay good hold of it. Why? Weak faith. But the stronger your faith is, then the firmer grip you take hold of it and the firmer you embrace it to yourself. See, faith is kind of to the Spirit what strength is to the body. You see? you can. How many of you can be weaker or stronger physically? In your grip and in taking hold of something, you can be weaker or stronger. Spiritually, you can be weaker or stronger in your faith that reaches out and takes from God. Now, we're going to trade places here. You, you reach out, you take it to yourself, hold it to you, embrace it, turn around, face the group. Now, if she's embraced her healing, she's in the position now that she has believed that she has received. Isn't that right? Does she possess anything? Yeah, in her heart. Now, she may not see it yet, because it always happens first inside. Then it happens on the outside. Believe you receive them and you shall have them. In other words, you, you, you take it by faith, embrace it in your heart and believe that you got it inside and then after that you'll see it and feel it in your body. But how many know that you, even though you believed you received and you've laid hold of something, that that's not the end? There is an adversary around and he, he is the devil. And what he'll do is he'll come to try to talk you out and try to try to talk you out of being persuaded and turn, get you to turn loose your grip on what you've received. He'll say, you don't really believe you're healed, do you? And you know, he'll, he'll attack you with extra symptoms sometimes. Wham! Bam! Feel that! Look at that! You don't believe you're healed, do you? And what does it take to hold on to this? Strength. And we're not talking about just physical strength. We're talking about strength of spirit. Isn't that right? So you have to hold on to it, don't you? Sometimes, you know, time may pass and you may wonder, well, why, what's taking so long? And, and symptoms may increase and, and you'll be tempted to turn loose and weaken your grip. And what happens so many times is people get weaker and weaker and weaker and finally they cast their confidence away and say, well, I don't know, I thought I received, but I guess I didn't. And when you do that, you turn loose of what you believe you received. You've got to be persuaded of what God said, and then you've got to what? Embrace and lay fast hold. 
And even though temptations and tests and symptoms and contradictions come and the enemy tries to tug and, and try to talk you out of turning loose of it and casting your confidence away, you just have to keep hanging on and saying, No, I have prayed. God's heard my prayer. I believe I received. It's mine. I don't care. Day in, day out. Feel good, feel bad. You just got to keep holding on. Isn't that right? And if you do, the Bible said you shall have them. Jesus said it. You can depend on it. Thank you. Can you say amen? amen? Now, there's something else that we could compare this to, which is a verse that we've already read. Back up to the 11th verse there in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, 11. It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Now, you know, another way of saying this is embraced seed. See, what happened is, is, is her body received the seed and embraced it and, and, and the child began to be formed in her. Isn't that right? Now, whether you realize it or not, everything in life operates on the seed principle. Everything. You and everything you do and everything that you have and will have is the result of sowing and reaping. Everything. How many know that the reason you're here is because of the seed that was sown? The reason you have a physical body sitting on that chair is because of a seed that was sown. A human seed. And you need to understand that all the things that are in your life are the result of seeds that were sown. Whether they be good seeds or whether they be bad seeds. Did you know sickness and disease is the result of seed that was sown? And did you know healing and health is the result of seed that is sown? Both of them are. Now sometimes people may not readily be able to see where, where the seed was sown and what it was and where it sprang from, but just, just write it down. It's a law. Sowing and reaping governs everything. Amen. Governs everything. I said, let me say to you again, everything starts from a seed. Somebody said, you said everything? In this creation, everything. Including your spirit. I said, somebody said, you're just talking about natural things, aren't you, Brother Keith? No. I said everything. Including your spirit. Don't you remember what the Bible said over in First Peter? First chapter? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. See, just like you were born physically of natural seed, you were born spiritually of a spiritual seed. There are natural seeds and there are spiritual seeds. And you know, you just take a, uh, you take a cancer or a tumor or, or any of these things. Doctors oftentimes nowadays can trace it back and show you where the thing started. And it doesn't just, you know, just uh, come all at once. It starts in one cell in a seed. But here's the thing that, that professionals in, in these realms don't understand and see, that before there is a physical seed, there is a spiritual seed. Did you hear me? Spiritual seeds affect physical seeds. 
There are spiritual seeds and there are physical seeds. Now, the Bible tells us, Jesus tell, tells uh, the story of the parable of, of how that uh, a man came and sowed good seed into his field. And then later on, when the seed sprang up, there are also a bunch of bad plants that grew up. And they said, what, what happened with this? And he said, an enemy has sown these. How many know that God has sown good seed in the world? But there's an enemy in the world, and he's constantly in the business of sowing bad seed. Now, what did God say his seed is? What are we born again by? The Word. Words are seeds. Amen. Well, wonder how the devil plants his seeds. Same way, through words. Now, words are nothing but letters that are grouped together designed to communicate a thought or thoughts. So really, if you want to break it down even further, thoughts are seeds. And thoughts are communicated through words. And if you want, if you want the right kind of harvest, you're going to have to plant the right kind of seeds. If you don't want a certain kind of harvest, then you don't plant that kind of seed. And if that kind of seed is planted in you, you pull it up. Isn't that right? Now, friend, you know, most people just live completely oblivious to what we're talking about. They, they never think about these things and don't, don't operate accordingly. But you've got to realize from the time you get up in the morning, all your waking day, and on into the night, Seeds are coming your way. Isn't that right? Seeds are coming your way. Good seeds and bad seeds. And in most people's lives, bless their heart, most of what comes to them is bad seed. I'm talking about the majority of people on this earth, many of them that don't even go to church, don't read the Bible. All they hear is stuff out of the world. Amen. You see, then all that's coming against them is bad seed. Just bad seed. Bad. Well, it's no wonder they have bad life. Because you're gonna you you plant bad seed, you're gonna have a bad harvest. Harvest of bad things. And you know, we you and I need to really just take serious inventory of our life constantly, because uh, uh, you know, we may have let wrong seeds get into us in the past. Wrong ways of thinking. Wrong ways of believing. See, just because you get born again, that doesn't mean you automatically think right. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean automatically that all the bad seed that's ever planted in your life and in your mind and thinking is instantly rooted up. See, your spirit was born again, but your mind was not born again. Was it? And you begin the process of renewing your mind so that you begin to think like God. You want a good crop. You want a crop of life. Uh, a harvest of zoe, abundant God kind of life, well, in order to have that, you're going to have to plant His seed. Plant it in your life. And let other people plant it. Amen? Amen. That's what this whole ministry is about. Amen. This whole uh, Rama Bible Training Center is, is a sowing place. Amen? Amen. Amen. Concentrated sowing place. Amen. People come in, and for a set time during the year, they have Seed sown into their lives in abundance. Amen. Amen. And 
you know, those that will receive the seeds and embrace them, harvest will be produced in their life. Now, I didn't say it would be produced the next day or the next week. Because the same principles that are, that are involved in natural seeds and growing and, and harvesting are involved in spiritual. How many know that it doesn't take long to plant a seed? And it doesn't take long oftentimes to harvest the crop. What takes the most time? The growing. Isn't that right? That in, that, that in between period between after you plant it and when you reap. Is that right? And a lot of times people don't, they don't want to think about that. They don't like that principle. But it's just that way. And a lot of times people bless their hearts, you know. They want you to sow a seed in their life and they want to reap, you know, five minutes later. Well, now don't misunderstand me. It's amazing how fast sometimes some of God's seed will work and produce a harvest in people's lives. Amazing. But at the same time, you don't plant an acorn and then have to jump back before the oak tree knocks you down. Is that right? <laughs> you know, depending on what kind of seed you're talking about, things take longer. Some seed uh, spring up almost overnight. Some other seed, it takes a long time for them to develop. And to really develop to their fullest potential, it takes a long time. Now, uh, it doesn't necessarily take that long for, for you to have a healing crop. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to plant the idea that, it, you know, that it could take you months and months and years and years for you to get a healing harvest. Not so. Not so. In fact, I've seen people, you know, reap healing harvests amazingly fast. Amazingly fast. But the thing is, you've got to do the necessary things. You've got to plant the healing seed in your life and you've got to water it and take care of it so that it grows and produces the harvest. We were talking yesterday about expecting. Anybody remember that? Yes. Expecting. Have I got anybody here in here that is expecting? Yes. Expecting. Could I, would it be safe to say that you're expecting? But how many know that before you can say, I'm expecting, you got to be pregnant? <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? You know, you can't say, I'm expecting, if there's been no seed sown. Is that right? If you haven't conceived and embraced, you, you, you can't say, I'm, I'm expecting. You're expecting because you're pregnant. Now, when I say pregnant, I don't mean, you know, pregnant with human child. I mean pregnant with something. You have received something. Amen. You, you, you've embraced a word of God, a seed of God's truth. You've embraced it. And when you embrace it, you, you, you're pregnant with it. And it begins to grow on the inside of you. Amen. It doesn't take long for the seed to be planted. And it doesn't take a long time for the child to come forth oftentimes. But there is a period in between there. Isn't that right? Usually about nine months. And what's happening? The seed is growing. 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 And they say so and so is expecting. Expecting what? Expecting a baby. Expecting a baby to do what? To appear. Outside her body. In the realm where she can see it. Isn't that right? Does she have a baby? 
Yeah, but not outside where she can see it. Inside. Isn't that right? Exactly the same principle is true when you're talking about healing. You receive the healing seed. You embrace it. You may not see it just like that. But you got it inside of you. And you nurture it. And you know it's growing. No matter if you feel worse on the outside, you know it's coming. Amen? It's growing on the inside of you. And you just keep it and nurture it and keep it and nurture it. And lo and behold, it'll come forth. I said, it'll come forth. It'll begin to break out into your flesh. Hallelujah. Healing will begin to come over into your body, into your organs and muscles and bones and nerves. But it starts first in your heart. I said it starts first in your heart. Persuaded and embraced. And what? Confessed. 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 When somebody comes and tells you, when when a woman comes and tells you that they're expecting, they're confessing that to you. Isn't that right? They're confessing. I am with child. I am expecting. You know several things have happened, don't you? You know they've received seed. You know their body has embraced that seed. Isn't that right? And you know that seed is growing in them. Elsewise, they couldn't tell you that they're expecting. Not truthfully anyway. Is that right? The farmer plants the seed in the ground. If he tells you, I'm expecting a crop, you know some things have happened. First, he was persuaded that that corn seed would produce corn. Isn't that right? He went and got him some. And he planted it in the ground. And he covered it up. And he's taking care of that seed. The ground has received the seed. The seed's growing inside the ground. He's expecting that to come forth and produce a harvest for him. Friend, if you believe those things and practice those things, you will have harvests. You can have a harvest of healing. You can have a harvest of finances. But see, if you want finances, you're going to have to plant finance seed. Isn't that right? If you want lots of finances, you have to plant lots of seed. Is that true? The Bible says it emphatically. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He that plants a three by five plot will reap off of a three by five plot. He that sows bountifully will reap bountifully. He that sows a thousand acres will reap off of a thousand acres. Isn't that right? You have to start where you are. But friend, if you if you believe that principle and will really practice and observe it, won't be long until you'll be planting bigger and reaping bigger. And then planting bigger and reaping bigger. And then planting bigger and then reaping bigger. And then planting much bigger and reaping much bigger. Amen. Amen. Well, I see a lot of folk are looking for some instant something. Just abracadabra, presto, bingo. And there it is. I guess some farmers would like that to happen for them. Abracadabra and get out the combine. But no, it didn't work that way. You gotta sow the seed. Let it grow. Take care of it. And then it'll come just as sure as the sun rises. Are you listening? It'll come. The harvest will come. Thank God for healing seed. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. By stripes I'm healed. Are you persuaded of that? Have you embraced that? Do you nurture it and feed it? See, what do you mean nurture it? Well, well, just keep reminding yourself of it. 
and meditate upon it and keep it stirred up in you, you see, and keep it there. If you do that, you know it's growing. You know it's developing. And you just keep it in there long enough and keep nurturing it. It'll keep growing and growing until it'll shoot out sprouts into your flesh. Amen. Pain will begin to subside. Strength will begin to come. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. Can you say amen? This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.